0: Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. After doing a few weeks of rewind episodes, after I got a little vacation time in, I am so excited to be back with a brand new interview and a brand new episode, and today's does not disappoint. However, before we get into today's episode, I realize it's actually been a while since I've shared a review of the week. This week's review is titled, Getting Balanced Along the Way. I've been listening to Balanced Black Girl for about four months now, and I thoroughly enjoy it. I enjoy the various guests and tend to take away something important from the interviews. What made me decide to write today was the Shan Boudram interview. This came right on time as this was a topic I'm working on currently. Thank you for being vulnerable during the conversation as this made the vibe even richer. Keep doing what you're doing. It's important work. Thank you so much for that review, because as I said in the intro to that episode, y'all, I was scared. I was so scared to answer some of them questions. Oh my goodness, because being vulnerable and opening up about my dating life, especially back at the time where we recorded that, I think since then... I've done a lot of work, a lot of personal work and come a pretty long way from that time earlier in the summer. Uh, But y'all, back then I was scared, okay? Scared, scared. So I am glad that it was relatable for you. I'm glad that you appreciated the vulnerability and I'm glad that you appreciate the variety of topics and guests that we have on the show. As always, love hearing your feedback and thank you for your reviews. So now let's get into today's episode. Today's guest is Minda Hartz, who is a well-connected, sought-after speaker and thought leader, frequently speaking on topics of advancing women of color, leadership, diversity, and entrepreneurship. In 2018, Minda was named as one of 25 emerging innovators by American Express. She's an assistant professor of public service of NYU's Robert F. Wagner Graduate School of Public Service and the founder of the Memo LLC, a career development company for women of color. Minda was also chosen by General Assembly to serve as one of their dream members alongside women like Cindy Gallup. Secure the Seat is her weekly career podcast for women of color, which you should definitely tune into, and we will have linked in the show notes. And today is actually a special day for Minda, because today, August 20th, the date that this episode drops is also the date that her book, The Memo, is released. So The Memo is really a book dedicated to helping women of color advance in the workplace. This is a topic that we have touched on before, but we cannot talk about enough about our challenges in the workplace, about the obstacles that we face securing our seat at the table. Minda is an incredible resource for this. She is a wealth of information and knowledge in so many ways i pre-ordered my copy of the memo a while ago and it just arrived on my kindle today and i am so excited to read it so if you have not yet checked out the memo or pre-ordered your copy go ahead head to the show notes and make sure you grab your copy so now let's jump into the interview so that you can get to know minda a little bit better Minda, welcome to the show. I am so excited to chat with you today. For our listeners who are just now meeting you, can you tell us a bit more about your background, where you're from, and what you do?
1: Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to to have the conversation with you, but my name is Minda Hart, and I spent 15-ish years in corporate and non profit roles and often was the, the only one in the room or one of few uh, women of color. And being in that role, I, I realized that um, I had settled into the microaggressions. I settled into the isolation. And, and one day, you know, you just kind of wake up and you're like, wait a second, work doesn't have to be like this. I don't have to just survive in the workplace. I can actually thrive. And for, I think I was just surviving in a lot of different Uh, environments that I was working in and I didn't want another person that looked like me or feels as though they are the only ones in the workplace to have to go through that alone and so I started this I guess silent advocacy for women of color in the workplace in 2015 and I didn't know what it would look like but eventually it turned into uh, a memo, uh, a Monday memo that I created that I'd write about different inspirations um, and just tools and sharing secret sauce about just things that we might need to hear as Black and Brown women in the workplace. And from there, it grew into career boot camps and and about salary negotiation and all those sorts of things. And so I, I like to say now that I guess I am a career revolutionary in a sense. I I like to make sure that um, our voices are heard in the workplace and that our experiences are recognized.
0: I love that. I mean, it's so important. We need those revolutionaries to... (laughs) to you know, help make it a, a better space for all of us. I'm curious, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experience when you realized, hey, work doesn't have to feel this way. I don't have to survive, I can thrive. Was there maybe a, a specific event that contributed to that or how did you come to that space?
1: Yeah, you know, it. it's interesting because I thought that I would be a, a corporate person for life. Um, I was fine with maybe, you know, doing my time and getting my gold watch, so to speak. And it was around the time of um, Trayvon Martin, actually. And a, a coworker had asked me if I wanted to go to <clears throat> a march that was taking place. Uh, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and they, it was happening a few blocks away. And I ended up going with her, and I saw that most of the people, because I was working in the Westwood uh, part of Los Angeles, it was primarily um, Caucasian men and women marching. And I started to think about our community and what am I doing to make sure that our voices are heard and our stories are told um, from our lens. And I knew that it wouldn't be in the same advocacy as um, like a Black Lives Matter movement or something like that. But I had to figure out what my authentic voice was for advocacy. And I just looked at what I had and what I was doing. And I'm like, how could I be impactful to our community? I have to do something. I can't just pretend that these inequalities aren't happening all around me. And I thought, well, let me use what I have, so to speak. And uh, that was speaking up about um, the lack of women of color in the corporate world um, in the C-suite. And so I was on a train ride from DC to New York. Well, fast forward a couple of years, I had that epiphany that I need to do something, but it took a couple of years for me to figure out what that was. And I was listening to a song uh, by Drake called Trophies. And it said, y'all boys, did y'all boys not get the memo? And I thought, oh my God, no, they hadn't got the memo that, that we deserve seat <laughs> at the table. And uh, and from there, it was it was like the genie was out of the box and I just kept going with it
0: fantastic. I mean, I think it's really beautiful when those, those moments really spur action that creates a positive, positive impact for yourself and others, which is fantastic. So I really love following you on Twitter and for listeners who are not currently following on Twitter, make sure you go to at Menda Hearts and follow because I just feel like you constantly tweet so much incredible advice and start really meaningful conversation. And a while back, I saw a tweet that you shared that said, it's okay to talk about race at work. And I would really, really love to dive into that because there are probably some maybe HR folks out there who even just hearing that, like their anxiety levels just went through the roof. Um, So I would love to talk about, you know, why are people so afraid to talk about race at work and how can we change that mentality?
1: yeah I think it goes back to well, thank you <laughs> I, I do play around on the on the tri- Twitter streets and, <laughs> and that's where I am most active. Uh, I do believe that there is this fear of race, and if I'm a black woman or a black man or uh, in the workplace, and you don't see my race or you diminish how my feelings are, or I always have to succumb to what people tell me that that I can be or what I can strive to become. Um, so say for example, I tell you that I'm experiencing microaggressions or bias or something like that. And oftentimes when we get the courage to even speak out about those matters, we're met with, that's not what I really meant. I think you're reading into it, all these sorts of things. And when we don't acknowledge that there are systemic issues, sometimes embedded in workplace culture, as well intentions as people might be, then that erases my experience as that black woman in the workplace. And I think in order for us to move forward we have to acknowledge that race is at play right yeah. we cannot be colorblind how how do you when i hear those type of statements it's like well what do you do at a stop sign right you acknowledge that color exists at every stop sign you go to so why can't we do that in the workplace and i do believe we have to have hard conversations um i teach a course at nyu wagner And one of the things that I tell my students is we have to learn how to have difficult conversations. If we can have difficult conversations in a diplomatic way, we could push through some of the surface stuff that we can't seem to get past (laughs) in our country, right? We wouldn't still be talking about a black woman's hairstyle in the workplace if we actually talked about race, right? We wouldn't have to have only two states you know, outlaw discrimination against natural hairstyles. But yeah. maybe had we talked about race, um, everybody engage in that. We might have all 50 states that subscribe to that. But I think we do a really great job of pretending that some of these things don't exist. And then you, how do those people that are working alongside you feel when you don't acknowledge race?
0: Yeah, exactly. And even I think acknowledging race in some of those instances would help us create a culture where laws like that aren't even necessary to begin with because it it just, you know, it it wouldn't happen. So I really appreciate that. So for you personally in your career, what has been the most valuable lesson you have learned in your career? Maybe the most valuable piece of advice that you have received?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think for me and, you know, now I, I I've grown into this career revolutionary, but I don't, I want your listeners to know that I didn't just wake up and here we are because anybody who worked with me in my former life would think, I can't even believe Minda is speaking about these things right now because <laughs> it takes time to get, you know, flex that muscle. And so, you know, do, do it at your pace. Um, but I do think the best advice that I've ever received is um, don't be ambivalent about your career.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think oftentimes as people of color or those, uh, marginalized. We have been told for so long these narratives of keep your head down, just work really hard, and that doesn't always get you to the table. Um, there's other things at play, and sometimes that requires us to have self-advocacy, letting people know what we want, and and putting it out on the table because oftentimes, you know, Bob's not going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, Minda, I really care about your career, <laughs> yeah, you know like he 's yeah. got a thousand things going on, so we have to let people know what we want, so I think we can 't be ambivalent about our career. We work too hard um, to just play it play small, and so I think you owe it to yourself to to put yourself out there and say what you want and I think when we put it out there and we see if the environment that we 're in is going to give us that or give us the opportunity to shine um it we're able to find out a couple of things. Is this the place for us? Or two, is it not the place for us, (laughs) right? Because sometimes we're working so hard in a place that will never let us have the opportunity to shine. And so I think when we put ourselves in those spaces and ask the tough questions, I think that we may find that we will find our happier place in the workplace when we're in the right environment.
0: Absolutely. I think that that is such fantastic advice because I know it resonates a lot with me. We can often get very caught up in getting to the point where we get a seat at the table, but that's, that's kind of just the beginning. Like, is it the right table? Are we respected and listened to at that table? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, it's all part of a bigger picture. So that's really wonderful advice.
1: Yes. You know, I, <laughs> I say that we got to secure our seat cause it's one thing to get to the table, but how often have you ever been at a table and you said nothing, right? Like yeah. I think about all the times I was at the table and I was just grateful to be there and I didn't say one word in a meeting and I would want to bang my head on the desk when I got back <laughs> because yeah. I'm like, why didn't I, why didn't I say what I felt? You know? And so sometimes we, we do ourselves a disservice because of what we think we have to do, right? We have to play our position. But what would it look like if we we were so curious to step outside of that and outside of our fear and see what's on the other side of that?
0: Yes. Oh, that is such a good point because I know I've had many situations in my career that have been the same way. Absolute same way. So Kind of along the same lines, I guess, just talking a little bit more about your career as well. What is the biggest risk you've ever taken in your career and what did you learn from it? Was it worth it?
1: Yeah, there's so many risks that I've taken, (laughs) but uh, the one that I think right now that I'm in is thinking that I, I had the audacity to think that I could talk about women of color in the workplace, black and brown women in the workplace, and that I could call out some of the inequalities that many of us have faced in the workplace. And for so long, I just went with the fact that this is how it is, right? This is this is what the workplace is going to be for a black woman at work and um, I let my curiosity be larger than my fear. And I said, you know what, not on my watch, as long as I have an opportunity to talk about some of the things that's going on, I'm gonna take that risk. And it was starting my company, The Memo, it was writing the book, it was starting the podcast. Like everything I do is pretty much eat, breathe and sleep, making the workplace, or at least trying to provide resources to make the experience better for women that look like you and me, but then also the people that work alongside of us, providing resources to them so that they know how to support us. And so taking that risk, I was very shy. I still am, uh, but, you know, petrified of speaking in public, all of these different things. But I realized that what will be my legacy? Will I have helped others? And when I knew that I needed to do that and take that risk and speak on some of the things that haven't been highlighted in the way that, that they have for our counterparts, I, I felt like that was a risk I was willing to take. <laughs> and I'm in it right now with the book being out. Um, I've been very vulnerable with telling my story and sharing stories of others. And so my hope is that the risk was worth it because it helps, it helps the rest of us move forward in the workplace in a healthy manner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that what you said about letting your curiosity be larger than your fear, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is incredible advice. I just wrote it down. I need to like (laughs) post it on my wall um, because that's just it's so impactful. So impactful. So let's talk about your book. The memo we, you know, we mentioned it just now, but would love to talk about it. To talk about what it's about, who it's for, why we need it.
1: Yes, uh, the memo is out. Please go and get your copy today, wherever you like to buy books. Uh, but so it's really a, my. It's about the experience that I had. It's my story of how I secured my seat at the table. Uh, but I. Got to that table a little bruised and battered at times, and so i I talk about what it was like to be one of the only ones and deal with some systemic racism and deal with um, those moments where, as a black woman, we've been told we have to be strong uh, at every turn and And I talk about at what point, where do the broken hearts of black and brown women go when we can't take it anymore? you know how how strong are you going to be? when you feel like you're isolated and you're alone and where you have to, where well, your experiences aren't read. And so I'm a avid reader and um, most of the books I read, um, business books have been written by white women. And so they've given some really great advice, but I never fully see myself in those stories. I always have to like, I'm the addendum or the asterisk to what they are saying. And, and they never really talk about race because that's not at play in their life, right? And so <laughs> I realized that our stories need to be told and people need to understand what it's like to show up every day as one of the only ones in the workplace and how we have to battle through the bias and we have to manage your feelings and our feelings. And I think that we haven't been able to really talk about that in a major way. And so I I, I guess you could say pull that bandaid off <laughs> and I talk about that. And then I also... Talk about building your network, because in order to get your seat at the table, you need champions inside the workplace that are going to help you get there. So how I did that, how I negotiated, you know, six-figure salaries and working from home and all these different things that I think we don't always share the secret sauce. So even if you aren't a black or brown woman, I think this book is for you as well, because if you care about equity in the workplace, then you need to understand. And or you want to be a manager, you need to understand some of the history behind how we got to this point. And I think the way that our climate is in this country, I hope that I do hope everyone will read the book and get something out of it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like an incredible resource for everyone, and so we'll also make sure that the book is linked in the show notes if you haven't yet gotten your copy, um, so that you can read it and uh, pre-ordered mine. So really excited to thank <laughs> to you. Do it. Yes, of course. Love supporting. So I would also really love to talk about uh, DEI in the workplace, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which more and more companies are starting to focus on to, to try to make the workplace better, more equitable for more people. I would love to hear from your perspective, you know, where are companies Hitting the mark and, and doing well with, with DE&I efforts and making improvements and also what are maybe some ways that companies are falling short or some blind spots that companies have um, and, and how can we, you know, be prepared for these things and make sure that the diversity efforts that are in place are actually helping us succeed.
1: Yeah, I think um, companies are doing a really great job at talking about it. (laughs) I think that, um, (laughs) which is a step that they weren't doing before, right? So I will give them the star for that. So they're talking about it, um, the need for equity, the need for diversity and inclusion. So that's wonderful. There's a lot of companies who have employee resource groups, and that's great too. Um, But I think even on, and then we also have companies who put out their uh, reports every year about you know where they fall short and what they hope to do better next year. And so for me, I'm a very much a, let's, what can we do today type yeah. of person? And it's great what you want to do in 2025, but what can we do right now? And I think what companies are missing the mark is not so much hiring people to fill your pipeline, but what are you doing for the people that are there right now? And I think there's so much that we don't talk about in terms of retaining the people you have inside of the company that have been loyal, that mo- moving them up and advancing them into management roles and giving them opportunities. I think that we need to f- have some impact numbers on what we're doing to ret- retain people and move them forward. And so, one of the things I talk about in my book is um, accelerated career plans for those who haven't been. Who haven't been in the executive suite uh, like some of our counterparts have and so what does that look like to be not just a sponsor not just an ally but a success partner I'm partnering on your success your success is just as important as mine is if I'm in a, a position of power and so I'd like to see those in leadership positions look outside their ivory towers and find those people and bring them in right look around the room who is missing and we can do that. We can do that by the end of the week, right? You know? yeah. And so yeah. uh, for me, it's it's really just the tangible things or even as far as the employee resource groups, many of, let's say for the black employee resource group, a lot of the people doing that work and spearheading, they're doing it for, as a volunteer. That's not part of their job description. So one way uh, to be a good ambassador would be to pay them for doing that work. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think there's so many things we can do right on the ground that you know everybody wants like that sexy fun like new thing but there's some just some humanized tactics that we could do right on the ground
0: absolutely absolutely i think that that's really really great insight august is my birthday month which means in Leo fashion i'll be celebrating all month long I can't think of a better way to celebrate another trip around the sun than enjoying some Rosé Soundcraft Seltzer with my girlfriends on a rooftop somewhere. I love that Soundcraft Seltzer is light, delicious, and fermented from whole ingredients, so that is definitely how I'm going to be celebrating. For my Seattle listeners, you can find Soundcraft Seltzer at your local grocery store and the Woods Tasting Room, and it's also available in other states, so make sure you head to their website at soundseltzer.com. Check out the store locator where you can find where Soundcraft Seltzer is available near you. And For women who are currently in the workplace, specifically for those black and brown women, say that there's a woman who is in a workspace that maybe doesn't feel as supported is at a company that maybe they're not even at the point where they're really talking about it yet or where it's on their radar as an individual, you know, what, what can she do to feel more supported in a space that may not feel supportive for her?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to say because I know all work environments are different, but one thing that I do think we could use to our advantage if your company isn't doing anything really, um, this is an opportunity. It could be an opportunity for this to be a leadership role for us, right? Mm-hmm. For you. And if they're not doing it, then you pull together the plan and say, Hey, I would like to spearhead this thing. And, you know, I have, here's the title I'd like to, to call, you know, here are the resources that we need to do. And I think bringing that to your your sponsor, your advocate, you know, a colleague that you trust and talk about those things. You be the one to, to move it forward and, and see how you can make that a leadership role for you. So say for example, there's some leadership opportunities that you haven't been able to get yet, create that situation, create that opportunity for yourself. If, you know, sometimes we're in a environment where we're trying to leave, like we're building our exit strategy, but while you're in the space that you're in, utilize whatever resources you can to get what you need so that you can, you know, pad your resume, put it on your LinkedIn. Like you might feel like you're in a place of, I'm just trying to make it through the day, but make that thing work for you uh, until you get out of there. And I think that there's a lot that it's hard to wake up every day and be in a space that you don't feel seen in. And so, you know, try to find some people that you can connect with. And, but most importantly, create, Don't waste your time in a place that's not going to give you what you need, but we're not all all in a position where we can leave tonight, right? We can put in our two-week notice and bounce, but create those opportunities. Sometimes we get so beat down in these environments that we don't think there's anything better, but I'm telling you right now, you are so worth it and there's better out there. Um, That's why you got to go to networking events. You got to listen to podcasts like these. You got to get the book because there's so much more on the other side we can thrive. I'm ready to live in a world where black and brown women are thriving in the workplace.
0: Yes. Oh, such good advice. And that actually leads perfectly into my next question because um, I, I love to just ask questions from different perspectives or women at different stages. Um, so for that woman, the black or brown woman who has you know, maybe found a new position or is about to get ready to start a new position at a new company, what advice would you give her to help her start on the right foot?
1: That's a good question. You know, everything I think goes back to not everything, but a lot of things is building the right relationships. Yeah. And I think when we build build our squad, we build those strategic relationships, those partnerships. If something goes down, we have people who are there to validate us. Like, say, for example, people that that know us well in the workplace uh, to some degree. Then when somebody's trying to call us an angry black this or a feisty black that, or, you know, docile this and that, Mm -hmm. then they can stand up for us and be like, no, that's not who she is. I know her in this way. Right. But when people don't really know us sometimes, then they get to create the narrative and nobody may speak up for us. So I think it, or if um, a layoff is coming down the pipeline and maybe you work in the tech department, but you made some, some good contacts in, in human resources, right. Then they'll remember you. So I think as women of color, the more we like spread our wings and we create relationships with the right people in the workplace, then I think that that helps our case, right? Who's speaking about us when we're not in the room in the ways that we need to, but on the flip side, who can we be advocating for? And so I think having that squad at work is really helpful. And so sometimes we gotta get out of our offices. Sometimes we have to get out of our cube. Sometimes we have to go to the group lunch, right? You know, every now and then. So I, I think that we just have to position ourselves that everything is strategic. Everything is strategic.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I mean, relationship building just at the core of, you know, of everything we do, I think really leads to a solid foundation, which is, I just love that you said that because we cannot be reminded, (laughs) we cannot be reminded enough. (laughs) (laughs) And for those who are, Kind of in the transition then, kind of looking towards a new position, I'm curious, you know, what traits should we look for in companies or in organizations that can help us determine if we can be accepted and successful there? You know, what questions should we be asking while we're going through the interview process? What things should we be looking out for to kind of predetermine uh, if we can tell if a place is going to be safe and supportive?
1: Yeah, you know, I wish that there was some, like, magic ball that we could look in and be like, is this the right one? Is this the, you know, (laughs) know, let's, let's yelp that one first. right? (laughs) (laughs) It's not there yet. But what I do think we can do, and it's not so much the questions that I would tell you to ask, but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: get down to your why. What is it that you want out of this next role out of this next environment? Because what like Maslow's hierarchy of needs what are your basic needs all the way up to the pyramid? And so once you figure out what your why is, you know, maybe you know that you need X amount of salary because you live in New York city and rent is too darn high, you know, so you need to make sure you're making X amount of dollars. Maybe that's your basic need. And maybe the next level is you need a manager that is invested in your success, right? So you need the affirmations, you need that type of environment. So figure out what it is you need Out of your next role, out of your next job place, and only you know what your needs are. And then you ask those questions during the interview process or to your manager because it's an interview on both sides. I think sometimes when we go in, we're just like, I want them to like me and this and this, but make sure you're asking those questions that you need because we're getting older, ladies. You know, (laughs) we're getting older. We gotta we gotta make sure that we're asking the right questions too. And and we may not always get the answers because obviously they wanna put their best foot forward too, but ask those questions, put it out there. If you're asking about some of those tough things that maybe you wouldn't have asked, you know, five years ago, and and they respond in a weird way, then you know, okay, well, this may not be the space for me. But if they're trying, they're willing to put in the work and everybody's weeding white fragility, then that might be a good spot to go to, you know? So I think it's one of those things we we just have to figure out what our why is. Sometimes we're so we're too forward facing on what that company is, but once we get really clear on what we want and what our needs are, and then we hopefully can find that uh, on the other side, but by asking those questions that directly correlate to our why. Yeah, Long long answer, but I hope that made
0: sense. Oh, it's a great answer. That actually reminds me of recently I was at an event uh, where Valerie Jarrett was there and she was talking about the first time she met Michelle Obama, which was when Michelle was interviewing for a job with Valerie. And uh, the way Valerie told the story was that she was supposed to be the one interviewing Michelle. And just a few minutes in, Michelle had just really taken control of the conversation and was asking all of those questions, essentially exactly like you're saying, to make sure the job fit her needs. And Valerie was like, you know, within a few minutes, she was interviewing me and I just blurted out a job offer, not even knowing if I had the authority to do that. Um, And so that was just a, I was thinking of that story as you were saying that that's a prime example. That's (laughs) funny. Yeah, it was a really great story. (laughs) Um, so I would also love to talk a bit about leadership development, which we had touched on a little bit earlier, but I would love to dive more into in terms of, you know, what leadership development looks like for us, you know, qualities of of leaders that we should be starting to incorporate into either our development activities or our plans um, and, and what that looks like. How do we determine, you know, what are good qualities to start developing in ourselves to be stronger leaders?
1: Yeah, I think that goes to maybe the roles that we want. So say, for example, you want to be a manager one day or you want to be a CEO or CFO, COO. Looking right now at what? the job descriptions are for roles like that in the industry that you want and see what they're asking for. And then you mirror that to the skills that you will have right now. And if there are some areas that you're like, okay, I need to level up in, then that's a good way to start investing in yourself. So, you know, as a CEO or any type of managerial role, you're gonna have to do some public speaking. That's just the nature of the beast, right? And so Mm -hmm. maybe that's something that scares you to death right now, but look at it as, turning that which you claim to be a weakness right now into your super power strength and take that public speaking course you know toastmasters or something online practice 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 so that you're ready when you get there and so i think those are the type of things if you know that you're going to get into a role where you have to be a strong communicator or writer and you might be, be having some issues right now with your you know writing skills take that writing course like there's no shame in investing in ourselves, and i think that we have to be lifelong learners you know you would never keep the same weave in your hair for the next seven years right you would have to refresh right you need to, you would need something else and and so i think that we have to look at that same way as our skill set Uh, that there's some refreshers that we need to do. And so what role do you want to have? Or, you know, what role do you see yourself in? And if there's some areas that you need to invest in, don't be afraid to take a couple dollars or start saving now so that you can invest in yourself. You are your best asset.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think just like remembering that we are our own best assets is just, it's such a good reminder that we have to keep constantly reminding ourselves of that for sure.
1: The workplace can bang you down and start to question, you start to question who you are. And that's why we have to constantly remind ourselves that, that we are the prize.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. So, one of the things I would love to circle back to, um, because you mentioned this earlier when we were talking about kind of navigating our way through the workplace, um, was about having a success partner, which is fantastic. I actually never heard of that before and haven't, clearly haven't had one if I'd never heard of it. Um, I wrote it down as like, oh my gosh, need to implement this. Um, So what are some good qualities that we should look for when we're trying to, you know, build relationships with potential success partners?
1: Yeah, so I, so the book is out and I have two chapters, one on networking (laughs) and one on success partners. But I do think that part of that is finding, finding the right team for, for yourself. And, just like any sports, like say for, you know, if you're a basketball or soccer, there's a team, there's players, you might be the point guard or the starter, the center, however you kind of, whatever sport you're playing, but you need to create these people around you that are, that want to see you win and that you want to see win. And I think that we have to identify those people. And the way we do that is through um, what we talked about before is relationship building. And when you build those relationships with, the powers that be at least one, all you need is one at least. Um, those are the people that hopefully will see that in you and they'll want to partner with you on your success track because you've been clear in terms of what you want. So when you see, when you step into an elevator and you know, the CEO or somebody in the C-suite is asks you, how are you doing today? And you say, Oh, I'm doing good. And then that's it. Like, and, eh. Make sure you have those opportunities to get to know people. You know, it's like, oh, I'm doing really well. I'm really excited about this project I just worked on, blah, blah, blah. Everything is strategy. Like, and you never know the next time you get on the elevator with that person, you're building upon what you said last time and you're building and maybe, maybe, just maybe that person will become that success partner, similar to a sponsor. They want to invest their capital inside of you and they have the opportunity to help accelerate your career and I think we need to have these partnerships with the powers that be I think for too long um and they can learn from us as well like this is a partnership and because sometimes sponsorship or mentorship can be like a one one and done type of thing depending on the situation but you want someone invested from your start to finish rather we're working at the same place today or we're not like let's partner on this road to success because that's how we all win and and um, we just have to identify who those people are, and sometimes you might get it wrong, right? Maybe that person burns you or this, that, and the other. but you keep refining till you get the right people on your team. And when you have the right teammates, it, it's nothing nothing but winning all day. <laughs> you know you learn so much, and not so much in like a, a tangible um, monetary monetary value, which sometimes it can be. but when you have people invested in your success, and some of us haven't experienced that yet, but you know that you may be invested in other people and you know how it makes them feel. And so I hope that leaders will understand their role in engaging and investing in talent and that's to partner on their success.
0: Yes, and I mean, I think just uh, everything you said about having a team and really having a team that is invested in you throughout that process, um, also being a team player is just so, so valuable.
1: Right, absolutely. Because it's not just about what you get from the team, but it's, it's everybody gets something from being a part of this, Uh, the the reciprocity is important.
0: Yes, absolutely. And kind of speaking of of teams, I would love to also talk about um, working in teams and managing teams. So I've definitely spent my fair share of time kind of in corporate America working for companies of all different sizes. And something that I've seen a lot of happen is, you know, employees or individuals who are maybe really good at performing a role or really good at, you know, being a good performer in whatever their set of tasks are being elevated to leadership based off of that and not necessarily with the development of helping them actually be able to manage people. Um, so if someone is interested in, you know, taking on the type of role where they're really managing people, what are some things that we should be doing in our own development to make sure that we are also prepared for that and not necessarily just being a strong performer in whatever our kind of individual area or skill set is?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it goes to that emotional intelligence piece. I think as a leader or a manager, we have to look within ourselves and say, okay, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses, yeah. right? And if I'm going to lead a team, I their careers are at stake, right? I need to be invested in their success. I, I can't just be here to make sure they come in at eight and leave whenever they want to, right? Uh, I have to find out what it is they need from me. And it goes back to that, to the hierarchy of needs. I think we have to be willing to invest in our team. And maybe you have no managerial experience Um, and that's okay, but realize that you don't have that. That's a skill that you have to level up in and, you know, ask your leaders, can I take a a management training course or can I invest in some books to read? Because you want to make this the best experience for the people that you're investing in, that you're leading. They're looking to you. They have hopes and dreams and goals and aspirations (laughs) inside the workplace. And if we're not invested in their success, then we're not going to get the best out of them. And then the team again, that team mentality, how can you be a success partner with them? So I think just because you have been promoted into a role, that doesn't mean that you know how to do that role. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves about what we bring to the table and also kind of thinking about disrupting the management term, right? So maybe you're really good at the operation side of management, but maybe the people part of it, maybe you have to um, empower one of your teammates to help you supervise and do some of those things. So I think it can look very different. But when we're in leadership roles, we just think we can do everything, right? And sometimes yeah. <laughs> that that is not the case. And we're ruining some of our, our employees' lives because of our inability to kind of tap into some of these things. And, and people want to be heard and they want to be seen. And I think we have to remember that it, the humanized side of of leadership, um, that servant leader philosophy. And I think so much, we just want to be the boss that, uh, we don't actually look to see what we're costing other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I think that there's so much that we have to dig in about that retainment piece because a lot of people love what they do, but they don't like who they do it for.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's so. real. Absolutely. And I mean, I think just, uh, gosh, I loved what you said about if you're leading a team, you have to also be invested and interested in their success as well. And having the the self-awareness to understand maybe where some of those blind spots are that are kind of preventing you from leading your team to to success is so important.
1: Yeah, that would help. A real, I mean, there's so many toxic work environments due to bad managers, you know, and, and, and I do believe that bad managers sometimes they don't even know it right yeah yeah. (laughs) so yeah yeah, that's a whole nother thing but
0: yeah because that gets into a like a larger kind of company culture culture of feedback
1: Yep, all of that
0: yes all of that fun fun (laughs) stuff (laughs) so and Minda, you have given us so much incredible, incredible advice that I so, so appreciate. Again, the memo is out today, which is so exciting. So again, for folks, if you haven't yet ordered your copy, you can head to the show notes to order it there because it is full of incredible, incredible information. Um, so thank you so much for creating this this resource for us because it is so, so important.
1: Well, and thank you for creating this resource because this is important as well and and success is not a solo sport. you know, if you win, I win. If I win, you win. And so I think we all just have to keep that in mind.
0: Yes, absolutely. So before we wrap up, I would love to ask you just a couple more questions um, just around kind of tying it also back into the the greater theme of the show, which is around wellness. Um so, Typically, I ask guests at the end of the show, you know, what does being a balanced black girl mean to you, which I would love to get your take on. Uh, but I would also just love to talk to you a little bit about work-life balance and what that means for you, because especially, you know, for so many women, we're also outside of work, you know, mothers or caretakers or have all of these other roles. And also figuring out how to navigate all of that uh, with our careers is is definitely something that. Each and every one of us, I think, is kind of working to figure out each day. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I would kind of love to spin the the question a little bit outside of just balance to talk to you a little bit more about work life balance and how you achieve that.
1: Uh, Yeah, you you put me on the spot because right now I'm not doing a good job, (laughs) and I I am a workhorse, and so I I, I'm trying to find the balance. But I will say this: I um, recently started taking. Golf lessons, and so I needed something to get me out of the house, so that I knew that I could not work during a certain period of time. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm learning how to play golf, and it's really good for me because it helps me create that balance. I I say that I don't know where Fun Minda is anymore because she's like always doing work. <laughs> I'm like who I don't know where she went, and so I'm trying to find her again. And I think um, not losing ourselves in the work and in the balance is so important. So. Uh, Ask me in a in a in a couple weeks how I'm doing, but right now it's like finding that time to to meet with my uh, instructor and and learn a new learn something that doesn't have to do with um you know workplace stuff. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah.
0: I I think to that I mean that's also just a really. I appreciate your honesty there because sometimes when it comes to balance, when it comes to work-life balance, like so much of it is about seasons. And so right now, I mean, you're just releasing this book. So that is like a very busy season for you where it probably is a little bit trickier to like be as tuned in to fun Minda. um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a little, a little ways from now once you're kind of beyond that point um, then that can come back and like letting that ebb and flow.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Great. So where can our listeners find you? How can we keep in touch with you?
1: Yes. Um, so you can go to MindaHarts.com, M-I-N-D-A-H-A-R-T-S, and everything is there. Uh, you can, I'm even launching, you're, you're in luck, uh, a virtual book club. Of oh, the book Because I want people to be able to tell me about their experiences and share them with others and go through the book um, together. And so you can sign up for the virtual book club as well and um all my social media and everything is there too
0: perfect so we will have all of that linked in the show notes because especially you know with this book with the subject matter like we want to talk to each other we want to share our experiences we want to again going back to that relationship building piece really have strong community around it so thank you so much thank you yep thanks for coming on
1: all right have a good one
0: (laughs) thanks (laughs)